What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The weather is turning. It is becoming fall. Ah, Hoodie time. I love it. I love it. And I love that you guys are here with me. And uh, we're going to enjoy this podcast together. Yeah, have a little one-on-one time. So snuggle up. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, But anyway, I'm going to get into it. If you guys are interested at all in supporting the podcast, head over to theplayingonpodcast.com where you can see all kinds of information about the podcast in general. And you can also become a patron of the podcast itself. Uh, there's a little link at the website for uh, patreon.com slash the playing on podcast. And, uh, and you can help support and you know give a little bit towards keeping this thing going and keeping the train a moving. Any little bit helps. Even uh, you know just listening to the podcast helps a ton. And I'm very, very fortunate to have uh, a lot of people listening. And I, I really appreciate it, man. It's, it's great. It's great having all the you know, all the ears and, and ideas and everything out there and the, uh, the connection to everyone. It's, uh, it's, it's a real cool thing. And, uh, so yeah, head over to the playing on Look for that Patreon button and go ahead and give it a little clicky click and, and help it out. Uh, but also take a look at that website. And if you guys like that at all, that is brought to you by constantpursuit.com. Uh, Mr. Rusty Glaze is a great, he, he contributes great websites and helping people out and managing websites for all kinds of uh, companies from paintball fields also to individuals like like my website. Um, they're also, I think it's Marcelo's website, the BKII website, the Play the Game website. Uh, and then there's also, excuse me, there's also non paintball related websites up there too that he manages um, and builds. So if you are looking for something that kind of your website needs a little bit, needs a little work, Rusty can help you out. Check him out, constantpursuit.com and hit him up. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Melloveo, M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com. And I have been using this wonderful company's products for a long time now and has helped me out through all kinds of injuries and pains. And and we all know what paintball does to the body, man. It is not a sport for the light of heart or soft bodies because, dude, I throw my body into the ground all the time. You guys have seen me play. It is it is rough out there. And if I don't have CBD in my bag, it's not good. It is not good. Um, Melavio brings you amazing product straight from them. There's no third party. They produce everything. And they really put their heart and soul into everything that they make, uh, from the tinctures to the topical stuff, the salves that I use. They have pet CBD. They have edibles. They have flour. They have all kinds of stuff. So make sure you head over M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com and really take a look. And uh, if you're trying to see if CBD is for you, man, give their product a go first before you go to some gas station CBD, man. It's, it's, 
100% uh, just amazing stuff, and I stand by it, and I've been using it for a long time, and I wouldn't lie to you guys. I'm telling you, it's great stuff. It's a great company. They support veterans. Uh, they support uh, paintball in general, paintball fields, paintball teams. They are involved in the sport. We need to give back and and build on these smaller companies that are uh, that are contributing to the comp- uh, community. So make sure you hit them up. Also, on top of that, they will give you 15% off your entire order when you type in the code capital T-P-O-P. And, um, and that's pretty cool. So hit them up, see what you think, give them a little try, and uh, enjoy, I would say. We are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball. He has all kinds of new headgear and head wraps up on his website. No, I'm sorry, not his website yet but his Facebook and Instagram. So if you're looking for some uh, some new headgear or head wraps or pack bands in the future, which we are uh, we're working on getting another set out, um, if you guys are looking for anything like that, hit him up. He is working constantly. He has all kinds of orders, so he's trying to get stuff out as soon as possible. He makes everything by hand, and it's just it's amazing quality work. Uh, by somebody who's very passionate about what he does and what he makes and the quality of it. And it's hands down, uh, you know, some of the best that I have seen. And it, it wears amazing and has the, just from the stitching to the fabric. It's amazing stuff. Hit him up. Let him know that Carl from the Playing On Podcast sent you over there. I'm sure you will find something that you like. And it's really, I'm telling you, until you get it in your hands, you'll really, really know kind of what uh, what he brings to the table. So, Charm City Paintball, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, brother. And we are also brought to you by Smoke Paintball, and in particular, the T1 Fatty Trigger. And that little guy, I was, I was for the longest time, I'll tell you here, 100% honesty, okay? For the longest time, I had my EMEC, as stock as possible, right? Stock trigger. I have the old prototype one to where it doesn't have the little little pops, you know, piston on it that go lever that goes up and down on the on the feed neck. Um, I had the old pra- plastic trigger in there. I didn't even have an on an ASA. Like I just had the straight screw in, which that changed. Um, but the trigger that was put in. And I eventually adjusted, uh, which is amazing. Just it's flat out amazing what you can do with these mechanical markers now. Is that you can? I mean, the pull on this thing is is ridiculously short, and it's almost as short. I would say, I would say just about as short as my my mechanical or my uh, electric marker was, and it's just as smooth. I mean, the marker itself is amazing, but then throwing in this 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 T1 fatty trigger just takes it to another level. And I'm, I'm, I was not a big fan of like the, the whole autococker, like shoe, the wide face shoe thing. But then I started shooting this thing and it just felt so natural. And it just kind of, you can shoot it with the shoe or without. Um, I prefer with it. It just, it feels great. And it, uh, you really have to give one a try for yourself and lucky for you. 
they are on sale right now. The uh, the Emac version is forty dollars, and the one seventy is uh, fifty dollars. And you can get them in green, black, or red. And I think you might be able to switch up the colors if you're, you know, feeling froggy. But they're they're fully adjustable, precision aluminum, and uh, and they feel great. But I do have to say this though. It is a must that you have air in your tank when you are adjusting this thing. That's really the only way you can do it. Otherwise, you're not going to know exactly when you're going to be hitting that trigger pin. Uh, and it's just, you're kind of going to be, you're going to be shit out of luck if you don't have air. you got to have air when you're adjusting this thing. And um, and it's great, man. So hit them up at, uh, at teamsmokepaintball.com. Head into the store. It's a couple pages in. Search for it. Click on it. and uh, And enjoy. It's easy to install, and you'll be ripping in no time. In no time. Alrighty. This episode is with Mr. Mike Urena from San Diego Dynasty. It was so enlightening to hear this guy's story and and really kind of hunker down and have a conversation with him and see what it's like to kind of come from his area and really get onto a team that is just at the, the the top of the mountain man and to see him be there and just continue to grow and he's still he's still improving still growing but an amazing player and um it's just been really cool to see and it was cool to talk to him and i think you guys are really going to enjoy this uh conversation so uh so yeah here it is here's the podcast with mike urena Well, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny too how we had that little interaction right before you guys were playing in uh, in Chicago, and then oh, you guys yeah. go on to win it. That was that was sweet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I listened to what you said. You're already here. You know, might as well take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just cool to be able to to um to. And that was probably the most that we've talked in person at that point and everything. And uh, besides, man, I can't, I'm trying to think of like, because even when you played for Elevation, um, I remember playing against you, but I, I don't think we've ever really had any kind of interactions um, uh, besides no, the, the, the short little messages on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah, that was about it. Just the IG messages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, congrats in uh, for Chicago, by the way. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's it's insane to uh, to win at that level is in- incredibly difficult, as you know. Yeah, I mean, it was a little easy when you got Eggs putting the team on his back every point. <laughs> Dude, that was that was like old school, old school, Alex. That was like Alex HB two thousand three running around in the fan. <laughs> right dude he had this so there was this um i forget who i was talking to but there was this uh um the social media post of him i think it was just instagram where it was like a little like boomerang loop of him like coming through the net and just his his demeanor and his kind of like the swag that he had and him just coming through the net and handing off his gun and everything it was like 
man on a mission. I just, I saw it. I, I, it instantly took me back to like playing against those guys in the mid two thousands. And then obviously watching him play earlier on. Um, but it was, it was so cool to see, but not only that, I mean, everybody else contributed so much. Um, obviously that snake and then that side played a, a big part, but also, man, if everybody else wasn't doing their job and, and doing it to the, the tippy top of their abilities, then, you know, Alex would have been playing one on five, just like anybody else. And, and yeah. everybody just stepped up. Yeah. But, oh yeah, you could definitely tell the difference in his demeanor. Like last in Philly, after he hurt himself or even before he got hurt in Philly, he was just kind of like, oh, I'm here for fun. Like, who cares if we win or lose, guys? Just try your best. Yeah. This event, he's like, nah, like, I'm out here for blood. Like, I want to fuck these motherfuckers up. <laughs> I want it all. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's It was cool. And I listened to, he had a podcast with um, uh, Play the Game with Tyler and uh, and Marcelo. And I listened to that. And it was, it was cool for him to open up and really kind of show that, not, not that he doesn't, but it's just cool to see a guy of his caliber be able to open up about the, you know, being, um, you know, self-conscious and, and kind of having this vulnerability to him and, and show that he's human, right? Because we yeah. put so many of these guys on pedestals, which they absolutely deserve. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think we sometimes tend to forget that they, they do have these, these kind of, um, these setbacks that we all go through. And it was cool yeah. to hear his side of it and kind of how he was feeling, especially personally coming from me because I struggled with that mental side so much. And for him to kind of come out and say the same thing of what he was feeling and he was how he wasn't into it and he was just kind of going through the motions, it was really, um, it was really eye-opening for me because we just we just have such this this even though him and I are friends. I still look at him as this amazing paintball player that, you know, yeah. has no flaws. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's definitely eye-opening. I mean, that's, like, part of the game you miss, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you go, you watch people, and you're just like, oh, like, they just, everything's easy to them. Yeah. And it takes a while to understand, like, oh, it's like a mental game. And then once you go over those hurdles, you're like, why is that guy always in the right place at the right time? You yeah. Know, he's yeah. got his mentals on. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we look at it too, and we, we, I think some people might see it as a privilege for when they hear some people talk about like how they get burnt out because they're playing so much. But I mean, you have to realize how much paintball that some of these people have been playing for so long. There has to be a point where it's like, yeah, the, the love for the game is there. I mean, that's, that we don't yeah. even have to say that, right? Because we, we all know that the level that, that I played at that you're playing at currently is there's just a level of dedication and love for the game that is unmatched. That's the reason, the whole reason why there's only a select few at that level. Um, but it is daunting at times and it is overwhelming, especially when it isn't your main, what you're just, that's all you're doing. Um, yeah. when you have other things going on it just, it does kind of become repetitive and it's especially very much, especially when you're not winning constantly oh, when you're not winning yeah it's definitely more draining but it's kind of i think it's good to have other things going on because mm -hmm. then you get like a little reset like if you have a job during the week yeah your mind kind of changes and you can like switch it switch the switch on and off on and off mm -hmm. but 
See, you wonder how that is for like professionals in other in 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 other sports though, because they they literally are paid to be this professional in this one thing and to do this one thing as a living. Um, I wonder how that's kind of because I don't really know. I don't know any professional athletes, and, and I don't really know how they go from the day to day of just doing that one thing and that one thing only. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine they have like a sports a sports psychologist with them or yeah maybe like sort of therapy to help guide them through the ups and downs with it mm -hmm. but i don't know i've never met someone in that position before so <laughs> yeah i've i've very few i've met but never i've i've never had a conversation to actually like sit down and kind of do a deep dive into into what it's like and the lifestyle and because you see a lot of the guys and they have these these lavish luxury lifestyles that make a ton of money and i always think about the guys like the uh the long snappers for football who yeah. just make probably just make enough but are such a important and essential role but or or the kickers or the punters or, or whatever um who have this kind of they're a professional athlete but they just they they specialize in this one thing that's not taken i would say taken for granted right sure, yeah but everybody has a role on the picture. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure they live it up. They get the clout from all of it too. Like, Oh yeah. I play on whatever team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of let's, let's do a little dive into uh, where you came from because I remember you in your, your, your guys bright green. Yeah. <laughs> those, uh, those jerseys and everything back on Scottsdale. But how did that journey start and how did it get to how did you get to pro and going through the ranks and everything and how the hell did you end up on Dynasty? Not 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 demeaning in any way, but I mean that's that's you know, these kids' dreams, you know, go coming up on uh into Dynasty and or coming up and playing on Dynasty, and then you have this kid like yourself, um, who comes up and comes out of not California and you end up on this this team and it's got to be you know it's got to be such a journey yeah it was a long one for sure um so uh just like anyone else the first time i played paintball i was eight years old my mom found a flyer it said eight to 80 i went out played uh didn't they let like you it. play hang on they let you play at eight years old so they made a mistake with the flyer the flyer was supposed to say 12 to 120 <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking out of the parking lot and the guy comes running to us. It's a night game mm -hmm. and they only had like two other people there. It was like two teenagers, maybe like 16, 17. Yeah. It was going to be me and my dad also. Um, so they come find us in the parking lot. The manager comes up to me. I'm looking up to him like this. He's like, are you tough? I'm like, yeah, I'm the toughest kid in my class. What you mean? <laughs> He's like, all right, you can play. So I go, I get shot in my ass one time. I start crying. <laughs> and I tell my dad, like, I'm done. And he's, you know, he's like, tough mentality. He's like, nope, you're going to go try it again. Yeah. So I play another game, get shot in the mask, doesn't hurt. Come back, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then same thing happens. I get shot in the ass, and I was pretty adamant on leaving the field <laughs> at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> so didn't really want to play paintball. That's kind of where my interest stopped. And then maybe six months later, I started seeing guys like you, Nikki Cuba, um, on the smart parts, or maybe it was 
paintball two extremes mm. paintball two extremes that's what it was the tv show uh, yeah. oh yeah 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 I, w- I don't think i was a part of that one but i know what you're talking about you're on it you're on oh you're talking about the smart parts um no, no paintball two extremes they had a tv show you're on it chicago like 2005 or something the one you guys won oh the yeah yeah, yeah. chicago they did an episode on you guys playing Dynasty in the finals or someone in the finals. Oh. I just watched it a couple months ago. That's why my memory. I was, was going to say, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would go with your memory because I, I can't even think of it off the top of my head. But I remember seeing you, and I think they highlighted how old you were, and they highlighted how old Tyler Harmon was. And then there was someone else who was really young in the pro division, like mm-hmm. under 20 at the time, or under 18. And I was like, oh, like this is kind of like a feasible journey. Like if Tyler's doing it and he's 14 and Carl's doing it and he, I think you were 17, 18 at the time. Probably, probably like 18. Yeah, yeah. 18 or 19. Yeah, I was like, well, then I could do this. So then I started going to Walmart. My mom would go grocery shopping and I would just look at the magazines. And then I turned nine. My parents got me this pump gun from Walmart. I would shoot my friends in the backyard. We all take turns. We'd run from <laughs> trash can to trash can. And one guy had the gun. The other guy had the mask. And we just had it run moving targets. <laughs> and there's this field down the street from where my mom lives uh, called 23 BPS. So at the time in Arizona, that was like the go-to field. Seven Man was really big in Arizona. Uh, we went there on Sundays. Me and my dad would just go and we'd watch everyone play. We watched everyone play for probably six months every Sunday. Hmm. He liked paintball too. He was kind of into it. He never awesome. really got into it, but he appreciated like what everyone sacrifices for the game and yeah. understood the hardships. So then one day they're like, all right, you want to play? I go out there. I was 12 years old for like three years <laughs> on the waiver. <laughs> so I started playing around nine. Uh, I would go out on Saturday. Saturdays is when the kids that were my age, a little bit older than me, would go play. And my mom helped me start this Young Guns team, and we called it Team Raven. And we played a bunch of Young Guns tournaments, didn't do very good in the beginning, and we filtered through a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but toward the end, we started doing better. Actually, a little funny tidbit is A-Rod, he was also in Arizona at the time, and he was right at the at the cusp to get to move up out of Young Guns. I think it was 15 was the cutoff age. He's like three or four years older than me. Mm-hmm. But I remember one team, they were supposed to play A-Rod's team, and uh, they just forfeited the game, and I was friends with them from the field, so I go over to them, like, why would you guys, like, give up right away? And they're like, uh, and one of them just starts crying and walking off. <laughs> It was because A-Rod made them so scared because they were, his team would just overshoot everyone. They yeah. were like the bullies of the Young Guns tournament. Ah. So they made them so scared that they just quit. So that was pretty cool. I got to see like A-Rod's progression. Mm-hmm. That was also another reason I kept following through with the journey. I was, if he can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. Um, and then I played on a couple D4 teams. Didn't really do much. And I got linked up with uh, Fort Adobe. It was a field here in Arizona. They had a field team. The owner's son played on the team. And 
all we had to do was help set up the field, help ref throughout the day, and then they would cover our paint and our entry for the practice at the end of the day. Nice. So I did that. Um, I got to watch the guys on elevation. That's where I started seeing them. I kind of knew who they were because I would watch the videos. Like I knew who I knew who all the pros were. Like I knew you played on like Infamous at the time. I knew everyone on Dynasty. Like I was a paintball nerd. <laughs> Join the club, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was Elevation. Were they a seven-man team back then? Um, yeah. When I got on, they were playing seven-man, but they got bumped out of pro when I got on. Mm-hmm. They were Division One at the time, but it was more of like a boys' club. Yeah. They weren't weren't really like trying to be competitive. They just were good at paintball and. They would play one weekend before the tournaments and see how the tournament goes. <laughs> so I got on elevation and at the end of 2011, uh, I played one seven man with them. Vegas 2011. We did pretty bad. I don't think we won a game. We lost to the Meat Hammers, Maddie Marshall's team. Oh. <laughs> got smoked by them. Um, And then the next year, we bumped down another division, and they started taking it a little bit more serious. Mm -hmm. We played Division Two. We did fairly good. Uh, We won one event, and we placed top three, like the other three or four events. Now, um, I just want to intervene real quick. How did you get on to Elevation? I mean, because you were you were kind of going through the ranks, right? And then how did the how did the actual transaction? happen of you getting on the team okay so it was a little bit of me like picking and choosing my moments when i talked to him mm-hmm. so i i would see him at the field i knew who they were like i knew who these guys were two years before they knew, even knew my name yeah so I'd true paintball nerd yeah, yeah. True paintball nerd. <laughs> i know what I'd you go, mean yeah i would go to the field and i would try to play games with them and at that time in arizona it was hard just to get five on five. Really? There were not very many people playing. This was like 2010-ish is when I started to like um, introduce myself to them. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty shy. I'm pretty shy now, but I was really shy back then. So it took like a lot of gumption for me to talk to someone. Yeah. And I made friends with Augie Roscoe. And he kind of like took me under his wing. Uh, he started coaching my D3 team. And then for Vegas 2011, I just got lucky. One of their guys decided not to play and they needed an extra body and just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Hmm. Yeah, that's, dude, that's, you don't, you don't realize how much of my career is right place, right time. (laughs) (laughs) That's, and I think that that just goes for life, right? I mean, you, you create these opportunities of showing up. I mean, that's that's literally what you do, right? You go through all of these stages of like of playing through all these divisions and just kind of like figuring out a way to to crack these doors open and to get a foot through the door, yeah. right? And you once you get that foot through the door, it's on to the next door and then on to the next door and then on to the next door. And uh, it's just cool to hear everybody's story of really how they kind of maneuvered their way through all these opportunities and obstacles and and kind of finagled their their luck in a sense yeah i would definitely out if i heard 
I would go to the field every Saturday, Sunday, regardless. But if I heard they were going to a different field, I'd beg my mom. I'd be pleading with her, like, hey, drive me down here. Like, they're going to be at this field. Like, I want to show them I'm improving. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, you definitely got to put yourself in the right place. And that's a perfect example, too, of what you're talking about. Because I know so many so many guys, I, I talked to um, a few of my friends around here of, like, how so many of them were content with, like, just seeing the same group of friends every weekend, just having a good time and being a weekend warrior. But I think it's that select few that are like, no, like I want to, I want to compete against guys who are way better than me. And really, I mean, I think that's a competitor in, in a lot of yeah. us who play at the top. Um, I say us, but I mean, like who you, we play at the top level. Um, yeah, you play there currently, but it's like, just, it's so cutthroat. And I think all of those guys, used their um their availability of wanting to like watch these top players play and play against them and just and have the grind and the the grit and everything to actually want to put themselves in that position of getting shot the shit and 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 having a not very good weekend uh, but you you at least learn something from God, even if you could go, like you said, you, you watched for like six months before yeah. you actually did anything. And that's that takes so much because so many guys just want to play. And that's it. And just play. And and that's all I want to do. But for somebody, and I can understand it, uh, and I hope a lot of people can understand it now of like why somebody would want to do that just to like absorb information. Yeah. And, and, and I tell people all the time, man, nose to the net. If you can't, if you can't do anything at all at least watch like just watch and listen and ask questions and just be present and uh i mean i've absolutely shows in in with you being where you are now it's just uh how some people get so close and then you know they something happens and they just um oh, you know i'm not gonna go this weekend or yeah i wonder about that too um about people coming up in the sport and maybe they they're trying to climb the ladder right but the yeah. one weekend where they might have had an opportunity to like to to yeah. have, get looked at or whatever they decide you know they party too hard the night before or whatever and they don't go and then then that player kind of plateaus and you know yeah i think a lot of it comes down to if you're in the right place right time and you know the right people because mm -hmm. on Toward the end of elevation, when they got relegated, we were taking anyone. We just needed people who had money and wanted to play. Yeah. Because our group of guys, they all quit. It was just me and Hal left, and then I left Hal. Yeah. It was just Hal just trying to struggle on, get a team. But if you, I don't think most of those guys took advantage of the opportunity. Because once you're in the pro division, it's easy to move around. It's just all about getting into the pro division. Mm-hmm. Once you go and you have a few good points, another maybe another lower level team, but that's a little bit better than the team you're on. They might be like, "Oh, we could use this guy," or maybe a mid tier team's like, "Oh, we could use this guy," or maybe you have a really good match or two, and then the upper teams like, "Oh, okay, we could change, we could turn this guy into something great one day." Yeah, yeah, but and that, that's a tough position to be in too. Is be on a be on a team on the lower end of the division 
and you yourself be very much dedicated and, and wanting to get better, but everybody else is like here for a vacation or we're, we're here to just, we're just going to play paintball and see, see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you want to make shit happen and everybody else just wants to see what happens, that's, oh man, that it's such a shitty you know position to be in. And I, I mean, I definitely noticed you when, when you were on the team and we played against you when I was playing with Aftershock. Um, I forget what tournament it was, but one game in particular, you just fucking ran through us, man. We, we couldn't stop you. And I, I hundred percent believe that we lost that game, but, um, yeah, I think we played you guys at Chicago and you guys beat us there and then we beat you guys at world cup the next event. Yeah. Yeah. It might've been world cup. And I think after that, I believe that we went on and played impact and beat impact and I think Impact went undefeated uh, at World Cup. That might have been the year before World. That might have been twenty seventeen. Yeah, because we didn't. I didn't have Impact in our bracket. I never played Impact when I was on Elevation in twenty eighteen. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, it might. Yeah, it might have been sixteen. <clears throat> I don't know, dude. In fucking Impact was so damn good back then. I mean, they still are. Don't get me wrong, but like they were just. It was it was amazing how uh, how that team just blossomed during those years. Um, anyway, enough about impact, fuckers. Um, <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> uh, they get enough publicity. Um, how? Let's so you, so you're this is 2011. You're on uh, you're on elevation, and this is actually during my break when I when I stopped playing, and then. Uh, what was your what was your time like on elevation from from then on okay so i played all of 2012 with elevation in division two uh revo was in that division boom was in that division it was pretty it was pretty competitive Mm -hmm. um then we moved to division one the next year along with those teams too uh yeah revo moved up boom moved up and i think one other team can't remember uh, but we all moved up to Division One. Revo and Boom, they just figured it out. They were still doing well in Division One. Yeah. Right away, they moved up, doing well. And our first event, we didn't win a match. But everyone's attitude on the team kind of changed. It was more from like 2012 was, hey, we're focused, we're trying to win the series. And then 2013 was, uh, half the guys want to go party, the other half, they're having real life stuff going on, getting mm-hmm. married having children so after the first event of 2013 I quit the team and I didn't know where I was gonna go but I was like I'm just gonna find a new team that has the same uh, or that has a good team culture that I want to go into yeah the same goals as me Um, unfortunately like two months after that I broke my hand skateboarding terrible (laughs) idea so I had to take the rest of the season off and I played the last WCPPL with this team called LA Collision. Uh, if you know who David Ramirez is, he played on Muni's on Aftermath now. That sounds familiar. I'm more of a face person. Uh, if I bet if I saw him, I would be like, yeah, I know the guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he uh, he linked me in with them. I played with their D3 team that event. And then they played D1 the whole year. And they did fairly good. 
So I bumped up to their D1 team for 2014. Again, it was just kind of rough, um, rough waters then. Mm-hmm. And I got lucky. I was going out to the field every Saturday, Sunday. This local team called Phoenix Rising and another team called Lost Dutchman. They were having Marcelo and Alex Goldman come out for a clinic. So the owners of the, one of the owners, can't remember which one, they're like, hey, I see you out here every weekend. If you want to like get in front of pros and show them like or just talk to them and introduce yourself, here's a good opportunity for you. So they kind of linked me in with that. And then at the end of the clinic, I asked Mouse if I could get a, a tryout for Ironman or just go to one of the practices just to see what it's like to be with a group of pro players and playing against pro players. I played mm-hmm. against like Ironman and Dynasty when I was on elevation, but we would get in like two or three points a day against them. Mm. It was very seldom. Pretty much we sat on the sidelines waiting to play, waiting to play, waiting to play. Yeah. Um, so I tried out for Ironman. I feel like I had a pretty good weekend the first weekend. It was before Chicago 2014, and then at the same time they were re- they were merging with royalty so a lot That's of right. was going on and Shane kind of had his clique of guys who he wanted to bring on to the team mm-hmm. and I just happened to be like the random guy who just showed up <laughs> so I had a good showing they asked me to come back so I come back the next weekend and I think I just was not mentally mature enough to handle the moment I had a pretty off weekend and I was a little starstruck too. Like the first weekend I went into it, like I'm just here to play the next weekend. I was like, Whoa, this is a raw, the guy I've been looking up to since I was 10. Mm-hmm. This is Ella Margot, Alex Goldman, CC's here. So that kind of got in my head. I got nervous and I would still go out and practice with them. Um, but again, it was hard to get points in at that point. It was just, more of their doing it as a courtesy instead of like kicking me off right away. Sure. They're like, oh, you can keep coming out, but I don't know how much you're going to play. How far of a trip is that for you? Uh, at that time, the f- they were practicing in San Jose and in Southern California. So to Southern California was like five or six hours, and then to San Jose it was 12 hours. Damn. But... So I did that, and then I got a real tryout again in the beginning of the season. But, again, I just was not mentally there. I was kind of like, fate, like maybe paintball is not for me. That's why I started to think. Mm-hmm. So around that time, I tried out, didn't play good. Um, kind of took a break from paintball. Just would go play with my buddies for fun. I got two of my friends from high school into it, and we would just go play like walk-ons all day but it kind of like rekindled my love for paintball after a year I was like oh like this is still really fun I could still (laughs) like go play divisional and have a good time Mm -hmm. and luckily elevation just happened to wander back along they always break up come back together break up come back together so they came back together um we played a couple events but I was also working at the time and uh we kind of talked about this. We almost do the same thing. You work on pumps. I work on valves. Yeah. But I had no seniority. So to get time off is very difficult. 
So I would only be able to play like one or two events a season. So I did that until we went pro in 2018. I was just playing an event here or there, but they always kept me on the roster. If I wanted to play, they're always very nice, and I appreciate that, that they looked out for me. Yeah. And then once they got bumped up into pro, it just happened to be perfect timing for my work. I got more seniority. My boss started, I started showing him videos like, hey, I'm going to play pro. Like, this is what pro paintball is. And he kind of understood. Yeah. But. Like, as much as somebody who probably doesn't realize that there's this whole giant industry and other world that, uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I tell people all the time, and they're like, "I oh, I didn't know that that was a thing." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. He didn't really start getting it until uh, I got on Dynasty. Once I got on Dynasty, and we won World Cup, and he saw like I made a little bit of money off of it. I got the whatever ten divided by twelve thousand is. Mm-hmm. I got that check, and I showed him like, "Hey, like I'm making money doing this." Then he's like. Okay. All right. Yeah. You want the weekend off? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm the weekend off. <laughs> Crazy. So how did that? So how did Dynasty? Because so they you guys turned pro in eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's the timeline like from from then on? So in twenty eighteen, we had a good showing in Vegas, and then I was still struggling with work, so I had to take Dallas off. Uh, they had a good showing there, and then the rest of the season, we pretty much got our ass whooped. <laughs> uh, at the end of the year, we have a phone call, or we had a phone call, and everyone went around and said if they're in or not, and we had eight guys, and five of the eight guys said they're no longer going to be playing or they're going to be playing for someone else. Corey Hall went on to play for Ironman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other four guys just stopped playing completely. So me and how me, how and Chris had a choice and I was pretty gung ho. Like I knew at world cup, a lot of the guys were leaving, like I could already feel it and they were already kind of chattering about it. But I was like, nah, like I'm going to make sure this lives on. Unfortunately, I didn't follow through with my promise (laughs) (laughs) after two events in 2019 Again, we're picking up literally anyone we can. We were trying to pick up the best guys we could. It's just we didn't know anyone, and we put a tryout out, and really no one hit us up, which mm-hmm. I thought was strange. Like a pro team's having tryouts, I would figure a lot of people would be like, yeah, like let me get in front of pros. Yeah. I I feel like a lot of people, though, I don't know. I mean, do you think it's the demographic of – paintball players that are in Arizona or is it just like do they do they see do you think players saw the potential in the team of I mean me I would look at it as like hey man an opportunity to, to turn pro and hopefully learn something and maybe play for free or w- whatever maybe who knows um I mean, some people might look at it though and be like, nah, "I want to play for you know what? Were they in like last place, third, the last place, whatever it is?" And I don't know. Yeah, I think it might have been maybe the demographic, a lot of that, and also uh, there was no team funding on Elevation. We paid for everything out of pocket, all the mm-hmm. practice costs, all the flights. So when people 
asked were like, well, you got to make sure you can spend this much per event. You need to come out to Arizona <laughs> yeah. or to California, the two layout weekends. That might have been a big hindrance too. Yeah. It, I feel like that's kind of hard for the lower level teams that are paying out of pocket. I mean, it's hard to get better when you're, you can only, heat gets, I don't know, 100 cases a weekend. We get 100 cases a weekend. Mm-hmm. If you're paying for those hundred cases, that's like five hundred bucks a person, depending yeah. on how many people you have. Mm-hmm. And but, that's just yeah, and that's just paint. Yeah. Now, now start throwing in all your gear, which I mean, which is like for a lot of teams a big lump sum in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then now all your travel on top of that, all your practice paint. Then who knows if you even get tournament paint covered. Yeah. And it's yeah. There's there's dude, paintball is so expensive, man. <laughs> Yeah, That's crazy. but that made it a little difficult. But we did get some good guys. Pat O'Brien, I thought he was really good. Um, Steven Mazurik, they were really good. Um, I don't think they just, I think they just never took advantage of reaching out to other pro teams after, at the end of the year mm-hmm. to see if they could continue on. But uh, so I did that. And then two events in, I got an offer from Dave Baines to play with sac dmg so i finished out the year with them i really enjoyed my time on that team uh everyone was kind of around my age going through the same stage of life Mm -hmm. Uh, on the weekends we'd play paintball and then we'd all hang out at someone's house you know just really like when i envisioned dynasty like oh four that's how i envision it yeah like everyone's super tight best friends and then um at the right before World Cup, we practiced Dynasty. I felt like I had a pretty good weekend against them, and I think that's the weekend where they were like, "Okay, we might be interested in this kid." Mm-hmm. And I had a good event at Cup, um, and then I got an offer from Yosh maybe a month later. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's man. That, that's see, it's huge too because I think you go from because who are you, who were you guys practicing when you were playing with? Um, Elevation. Yourselves? Mostly ourselves. Yeah. We got one weekend against Iron Man, but that was after that one weekend, they never want to practice us again the rest <laughs> yeah. of the year. Yeah, and then you go to DMG and you're practicing Impact, right? Uh yeah, we got Impact and Dynasty was were coming up before every event. Yeah. And so that that is such that is so huge. Um just from a practice standpoint. You're playing Impact and Dynasty just to practice to get ready for the event. I mean, and, which is cool and, and such an advantage to have guys like that in a practice because there's a lot of, not that there's a lot of downtime, but there is downtime. And there's, there's, there's moments before and after and during that you can like ask these questions and kind of just be interactive with some of these guys that have done it for so long that you can yeah. really kind of extract this, this, you know, nutritious information from them and have these moments and, and be able to, um, you know, and what's cool too is like, even at practices, I would say more at more so at practices is you kind of get the demeanor of the player too. So like, not only could did they probably notice you at some events, like just playing, but they saw how you were then at practices and, and, and off the field, and kind of like how you interact with your team, which was probably very intriguing for them as well. Yeah. 
yeah, I think you're right. You get to watch them, like how they play the field. That's a big advantage. Like a lot of the time on elevation, we're good players. We just didn't know how to play the field correctly. Mm -hmm. We would try to play like a slow game or maybe on a slow field, we try to play a fast game. But when you watch like guys like Alex, Mouse, Ryan, uh, Yosh, you figure out how to play the field faster. You're like, okay, why are they beating us? Okay, this is why they're beating us. Not just, oh, why is our best five guys being our worst five guys? Oh, because they're better. No <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, how did... How did Yosh get a hold of you? Did he did he get a hold of you and give you an offer, or did he say, "Hey, come try out for us," or was it, "Hey, we would like to get you on the team"? Um, so at World Cup, kind of a funny story. I was walking around. We just got knocked out of the tournament, and I walked over to the field one booth, and I was like, "Oh, can I try out the new force?" They had like a whole area to shoot it into this garbage can. Mm-hmm. Sounds about sounds about right. Paintball, paintball event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting it in this garbage can. Yosh comes over, and he's like, "What are you thinking about doing next season?" Um, I look at him. And I'm like, you know, like, whoa, like this is Yosh Rao. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, probably staying with DMG. And then I, I don't know why, I just like set the gun down and walked away. I took two <laughs> steps, and I was like, "Oh man, I blew it. That was my chance." <laughs> But luckily, like a month later, he sent me a message on Instagram. He's like, hey, I'm just interested in talking to you about Dynasty. I think you would be a good fit. Uh, if you want to talk about it more, I can give you a call tomorrow. What's your number? So immediately I sent him a message back like two minutes later. I was like, yep, here's my number. Call me anytime after five. <laughs> and I waited on the phone call and he didn't call me back the next day. So I was like, oh, I missed the call. And then I sent him a message. I'm like, oh, I usually don't have cell phone service. He didn't call. I was just too anxious. <laughs> Ended up calling like two or three days later. But uh, it wasn't like a tryout. It was you're on the team right away. And I happened to be working up in the Bay Area near their near the Field One headquarters. Mm -hmm. So I went there that Monday. I was like, yeah, like can I come check out the shop and like see what's going on so i got to see all the field one stuff i got to interact with them face to face i saw like all the extra guns they had all the old bob long stuff all the posters so that was a pretty cool experience that's awesome man i i know exactly how you felt like during that whole interaction like as you were telling the story of you of you saying oh i'm thinking about sticking with dmg and then like just setting the gun down turning and walking away yeah. I just i know exactly how it was because i had a similar interaction with with uh rich telford that whole thing and it was it's so funny because i i'm like picturing yosh just being like all right well we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll try again yeah. and then you just immediately going oh my god what what am i talking what am i talking about like i'm having i'm having yosh rao from dynasty come ask me what i'm doing for next year and i look at him and i say i'm thinking about staying with dmg because yeah. he's clearly like hey what are you doing next year yeah oh, dude that's so funny yeah i mean i don't know uh yeah I wonder if he but, left you on the hook on purpose too, just to kind of like have I'm you. I'm sure be it like, wasn't gonna. 
I'm sure it wasn't going to go anywhere right then and there, but it would have like made it easier for the conversation to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's but, so funny. <laughs> yeah. Also, another funny part about that is Josh Hallberg from DMG, uh, one of the long hair guys that plays on Aftermath now. Mm-hmm. So he gets an offer from Ironman. And uh, he's calling everyone on the team, like, what do you think? Uh, and I told him, I was like, oh, you're going to go to Ironman? They're kind of like, you know, like, we're better than them. Why are you going to go down? <laughs> he's like, would you leave the team? And I was like, nah, I won't leave DMG <laughs> unless it's a step up. <laughs> and unfortunately, it just happened to be a step up. But, I mean, I would have stayed with if DMG was that team. Mm-hmm. And I never got an offer from Dynasty. I probably would still be on that team. I think they have a really good thing going on there. I th- I think, I mean, I think they still do. I just think the DMG with like Kim and then yeah. when all those guys were were there, and uh, was it Brusselback? And mm-hmm. I, I think the- that team that team then was had so much potential. That, I mean, they they were you guys were good. I mean, it's not that you guys have potential. You guys obviously have potential, but you were you were good with those players and everything. Um, I just think it was that was one of those teams where it was like a matter of time before yeah. it kind of one by one just kind of got cherry picked away, and then it's you know turns into a whole another rebuild the next year or the next two years, whatever it is. Yeah, I think the only guy left from that incarnation of DMG is Marvin Gerber, but I mean. He's kind of loyal to the soil. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, um, so you go to you go to field one. You kind of see everything. How did uh, how did the first practice and everything go? Did it, did it kind of just did everything click and it just felt right and it just kind of did did everything melt together or was this kind of did you have this kind of incubation period where it was like you you had to build up this kind of amnesia of like looking around and going oh yeah i'm playing with like these guys and then you're like then you're good uh yeah so kind of like we were talking about in the beginning about like the self-confidence thing mm-hmm. so the first we had a preseason practice we just played each other i felt like i was super juiced going to that practice <laughs> maybe i didn't in my mind i felt like i played pretty good mm-hmm. and then we had the layout weekends we played uh uprising the first weekend had a really good weekend against them and then we went and played impact the next weekend obviously a different game a lot harder yeah that's where the mental side started to fuck with me um i started to have like self-confidence issues so i didn't play very good in vegas 2020 but i kind of knew going into it i gotta get comfortable with everyone it's a new team i gotta like get used to hearing their voices. They got to get comfortable with my style of play. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't very vocal. Like they were putting me in positions where like, I'm not a guy who's going to go running and shooting out to a spot and try to hold a zone. Like that's just not the way I play the game. Kind of like how you are. Like you don't shoot that much paint. You just kind of pick and choose your shots. That's how I try to play too. Like I want to get out far and I want to get fast and I want to just shoot someone when they're not looking at me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of took some time for me to get comfortable with them, them to get comfortable with me. I wouldn't say I started playing good with Dynasty until Philly this last two events ago. 
that's where I feel like I really started to hit the incline with Dynasty. And then Chicago, uh, not as much as Philly. Mm-hmm. Still a step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it helped. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always forget that it was um, – there was – so two, 2019, you were DM, DMG, right? I started right? with uh, Elevation, and then I ended with DMG. And, and then 2020, Vegas right. was your first – event and fucking covid happens covid was a blessing in disguise for me really i got yeah because i got to really like sit back and like okay like am i really about paintball or am i just gonna like be some guy who played on dynasty and gets kicked off later on (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i got time to really i would go to the field every weekend i was like if these guys aren't working i'm gonna be working yeah and maybe it didn't show at world cup I didn't really get that many spins, but I feel like it's starting to pay off now. Yeah. I put in the work, so it kind of like increased my confidence. Like I worked all these months. You guys didn't, or maybe you did. I don't know. Don't care. But I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all you can do, right? Is you, and I think a lot of people evaluated their lives, um, you know, when 2020 happened and I think it's it's huge the way you kind of went about it too because there's so many people who like ah, I'm just gonna kind of you know do whatever happens but then some people took advantage of it and was like hey man I'm gonna you know I'm gonna hit I'm really going to consider what I want to do with my hobbies my life whatever my career and I think it just it just shows that time obviously is the ultimate kind of judge of how you how you spend your life and just how you spend your time and then eventually you know we make all these decisions and do all these small things for the end result and i think that uh it's just like you said it's like you just put in the time and the work and then might not have been your time at i don't know how you guys how did you guys do at or no you yeah you won world cup yeah that's right we won but i wasn't really like I got to play three points in the finals, but I would definitely not say I was effective in the finals. But did you there. play? Did you play the um, the prelim games? Yeah, we were trading off time. It was me, Arturo, and Scotty. So one mm-hmm. out of three points. Like even if you play good, it's kind of hard to get into a rhythm. Yeah. But. But still, yeah. I mean, I, Scotty's not playing anymore, right? No, Scotty retired again at the end of twenty twenty. He took his dub and he's like, I'm out, boy. <laughs> Peace. I'll see you later. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody puts in some kind of effort, right? And I think it's just, you're still, how, how old are you? 26. 26, dude. So you still have, you still have a bunch of time to, yeah. to just grow and, and, and kind of meld with the guys on the team and just, you, you're only four events yeah. in, not even. Yeah, something like something that. like that. So it's like, dude, that's not even a full season. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I feel like I could get close to peaking. I just need to like. I feel like whenever you're progressing in anything, you go through peaks and valleys. So I just need to make sure those peaks are at the tournaments and the valleys are in the downtime. <laughs> but you can't. But the thing is, is you can only prepare yourself um, for everything. 
really, right? You, you, you prepped yourself in your mental state and every, and your, in your physical state for the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Because you're yeah. going to go through it, it all. I mean, it might not be worst case scenario, but you don't want to be the guy that's stressing in a situation where all the other guys are like, no, we're, we're good, man. Like just, you know, oh, just, just play. Yeah. I'm starting to notice that. So at world cup, I was super nervous going on to Sunday. I was like, Oh man, like this is like big time. And then especially going into the finals, my heart was like beating through my chest. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I'd say again, like Philly this year, it felt like it was just another match. Like it didn't feel any different. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to learn how to deal with the stress of that better and the pressure of that more effectively and take advantage of those moments. Yeah, man. Cause that Jersey, that Jersey bears a heavy weight. You yeah. know what I mean? And, um, I, I can't imagine being, uh, you know, a guy on that team who is newer and who just, you know, is still trying to find his high, his utmost abilities, right, on that team and, and produce and everything. Um, but it's, it's just like I told you when I was there, man, when I was there on Saturday. It's like the hard part was getting to that point, Yeah, was getting on a team like, like Dynasty. That was, that was the, hard, the hard journey. And the whole reason you got there is because the because Yosh noticed, you know, so I'm sure the other guys noticed too. But it was it was you playing your game and not thinking about it. Yeah. And then now you get to the team and it's not it's not like they want anything drastically different from you. If anything, they they, they want to mold you into a better player. So mm-hmm. it's you literally play your game and take any kind of constructive criticism that you get from some of the very best players to ever do it. And you yeah. add on to your abilities that you already have, dude. And it's like, if you can control that mental side, which I'm sure Alex would love to sit down and like, just have, just have conversations, man. And having these talks and everything like that, even here or with some of the guys on your team, which I'm sure you're having with some of the older guys or whatever, it builds so much of a trust and so much of a, uh, of this kind of ability to believe more and more in that guy and know that he's understanding of what you're trying to tell him and what you're trying to really convey um, off the field and then have that kind of be birthed on the paintball field and have, you know, have that kind of that just solidity on the field, knowing that guy's going to be able to do his job and he's doing it while you're telling him all these things and they're, they're, they're latching, they're staying there. It's not just, there's this retention you know? Yeah. I feel you got to be a sponge all the time. All the time, man. But um, also like during COVID listening to your podcast, Marcelo's podcast, Marcelo and Tyler's podcast that helped too. Cause I got to see like what other people thought and how they kind of dealt with it. So that kind of helped me reform how I would think about things. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I could help in that small little <laughs> way. Yeah. And I, and I forget about Marcelo, man. He's, he has so much knowledge of the game too and has been around for for so long. There's so many guys and and Blake and just 
yeah just everybody on that team is is so high level mentally and 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 physically that it's you got to take advantage of of everything that uh that they give you yeah i think that's a really big advantage when you get on to like one of the upper level pro teams on um on elevation we we're just kind of putting things together ourselves. we had no one that ever played pro before on our team mm-hmm. well they played pro seven man but it was uspl doesn't really count as pro <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh so we had no one we're just kind of like using our own ideas and then on dmg we had shane howe but shane howe is not very vocal and he's not the guy trying to lead like be the leadership of the team mm-hmm. you just kind of uh, like I get away from my wife and kids. This keeps me competitive. I love playing. That's why he plays. Yeah. So there's a little bit of knowledge to get from him. And then every now, now and then Dave would come along and throw us a nugget. He'd come out to one of the practices and be like, Oh, you need to be doing this. You could do this better. That, 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 that. Yeah. And now on dynasty, I get advice from everyone. Every time I practice, if I have a question, I just go up and I'm like, Hey, how do you think I could have done that better? But there's like a fine line too. If you ask too many questions, then you start, then you begin not to trust yourself. You're always looking for someone else's answer. Yep. Kind of something you ride, but it's good to have those guys around you. And then you can see like, you can watch them play and see how they do it. Okay, maybe I like how this guy does that. Let me try to do that this next point. Mm -hmm. Or "Mm, I'm not a fan of that. Or my play style doesn't fit to that. Or maybe it does fit to that. Like me and Eggs, our play styles are the same. Like I'm trying to go go their side bunker someone. He's trying to go to their side bunker <laughs> yeah. someone. But sometimes it's counterproductive because if I'm playing in front of him and he's playing the two and he's trying to go down the field to bunker someone and I'm trying to do the same thing, well, now we're wide open to get bunkered because mm-hmm. no one's watching over anyone. Yeah. But, you know, you figure that out with practice and with time. Yeah, I think – you know, thinking about um, what you said, just about you know asking too many questions, I know a hundred percent what you're talking about because you don't want to be this person or this player who's always asking questions. Then, which means you're always questioning yourself on on the yeah. field. And I would much rather, I would much rather be corrected than than not do something because I I don't believe in my own answer. You know yeah. what I mean? I'd much rather try a move and try and do something and then either have it work out and it's great and then that's a little nugget of self-confidence, right? Or yeah. it doesn't work out and I can explain myself of maybe like kind of show like what I was trying to do and mm-hmm. and they get it and they're like, oh, okay, it was just the timing was off, whatever. Or I, I get the correction of like, hey, maybe we slow down in that point. I'm like, hundred percent know exactly what you're talking about my bad i just i saw a little window thought i could take it but i just i was a little overzealous and you know but it's that give and take it's that give and take yeah and i'm lucky like brian he changed his game from from what i heard he used to be like a really slow player i used to like to do things more methodically now he's all go 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 (laughs) so if i try to bunker someone and i don't make it or if I try to make a move and I get shot, he's never like, oh, man, like he's never like putting me down occasionally, mm-hmm. but it's like to make a point. But it's not like constantly like, oh, why would you make that dumb move? Why would you do that? It's like, oh, you made the move. Didn't work. Well, figure out how to make it work next time. Yeah. 
So, I feel like I feel like maybe some of these guys have gotten soft in their older years because I feel like it wasn't this like it wasn't this like easygoing back when they were like just fucking vicious. Just uh, go. I'm, I'm sure they got soft in their old age. <laughs> I've even heard uh, Maddie call out Rich on that on the webcast for saying that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was some, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine how it was before my time like oh. how guys were with each other or like just dude I, I, some of the stories i've heard i was like dude i don't know if i'd be able to come out the next weekend if that shit happened like i'd be like i don't i'm not really into this that much <laughs> <laughs> i want to get yeah. punched in the face by my own players like if oh yeah i don't yeah i don't know if i would come back for that one <laughs> yeah fuck man i mean i would fight with you guys, the other team, I would fight, but yeah. I don't want to like fight amongst each other and like come back and be like, eh, nothing happened. We'll just try it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah just try again. Damn. What's the worst thing that happened to you when you were coming up? Uh, for me coming up. So I had this, I have this story. Uh, I want to talk to Rich about it again, but it really, it really, I don't want to say it like completely threw me off track, but it really kind of, it it was a good reminder of like, hey man, you're not hot shit, and you have a long way to go. Was it was my very first weekend out with excessive, fresh off of tip and tip and effect, and I've like I'm nervous as fuck, right? Yeah. But but I'm like you know I'm like kind of just I'm doing the whole thing where I'm like looking around, seeing the guys that I'm gonna be about to be playing against and and with. I'm like, okay, well, there's, you know, Nikki Cuba and, you know, Micah and Matt and all these guys. I'm like, just, just super nervous, man. I'm thinking about it. I'm like having anxiety, just kind of like, <laughs> I'm remembering how nervous I was. And, uh, I remember Rich pulling me aside going, Hey man, um, get over in that bunker. I'm going to get over here and we're going to snap shoot. And I was like, okay, well, he goes, we're going to snap shoot. And I'm like, okay, but he goes, no get over there. We're going to snap shoot. I'm going to go over here. I'm like, okay. And, um, you know, I, I get ready and everything. I'm like kind of nervous and I go pop and I come out and I shoot him. I'm like, oh. fuck. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking sweet. You know, I get this whole like kind of thing going. And then he murders me for like 10 minutes after that, where I just dude my, my knuckles and my, my goggles and everything. I'm pretty sure my lenses were fucked and like my knuckle because he was like he's like stay in stay in like of just telling after i get shot of like just, yeah. just do it again and just wipe it, it off back. and go it again yeah. run it back run it back and it crushed me dude i was like i was like oh my god dude this i i thought i was like ready because i felt like on timid effect i felt like i was I was ready. Like I was already pro seven man, but I was like Tipman effect seven man, but I felt good. Like I just felt playing wise. I felt good. Um, I did had you, this opportunity. What's that? Play in seven man. It was like dynasty and excessive in the bracket when you were pro seven man. Tipman. Uh, yeah, we played, yeah, we played excessive. We played dynasty. We played arsenal. We played, uh, Avalanche. We played all those teams and, um, oh. and some of them we beat, and some of them we played really well. Um, some of them we obviously got fucking shit on, but uh, but I felt like I played really good in '04. I felt I was yeah. like I was playing really good, and um, 
and so I got that opportunity with the naughty dogs that I had, I had ran after cause I was going to start living in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, but then the whole excessive thing happened and I was like, okay, cool, man. I have like, I have people like wanting me to play for them and that, it just made me yeah. feel good. It made me kind of a little, you know, overconfident. And then the whole rich thing happens and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I literally was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I completely felt like I lost all ability to like to do anything and but eventually that w- it was like i think it was almost like the military right of of how they break you down to build you up mm-hmm. and i felt like that was 100% what they did was they just they tore me down to my to basic ability and and basic paintball um motions and just yeah. built off of that and uh i don't think i fully had the mental side because I was still I was a very emotional player which I think helped in cases and then didn't in in some too because I put so much every time I walked on the field it was like so much on the line right um and I'm sure you feel the same way uh I I just I left every I don't I didn't care about my body I just I cared about the moment of just playing paintball and just putting everything out there um but in doing that, I was so emotionally invested as well that if something didn't go right, I wasn't still yet mature enough to just let it go mm-hmm. and and know that my team has my back 100%. Even them telling me that they did, I still felt like if I fucked up that they even though they were telling me like, no, just just go do this. I was still like, you're still good. I'm I, in my head. I'm like, no, I, dude, I fuck like I'm I'm. I'm doing, I'm like taking a step backwards. I felt like, yeah, even though they're like, don't worry about it. Just, just forget about it. Don't do that again, but just forget about it and go out to the next point. I didn't, I just let it kind of fester in the back of my head, but, and then it would take me like two, three points again to kind of come back to like zero. You know what I mean? When you're on excessive, were you sharing, it was you and Thomas sharing time? Well, it was, we had uh, Thomas, we had myself, we had Jesse Lapid, um, okay, and who was another front guy that we had? I can't think at the moment. We had Nikki Huba. Um, oh, Nikki Vegas was he on the team? Vegas, yep, Nikki Vegas. He was up there too, and eventually we had J Rab was on the team for like an event or two. J Rab was on the team for an event or two. Um, and then Bobby Avilas came on, Scotty Kemp came on, like all those guys yeah. a year or two later. Um, but yeah, early on, I think it was just, it was just us uh, that, that I can think of, but it was, dude, I felt, I felt so much pressure. I had a lot of fun, but it it was like yeah. a, a lot of pressure, especially coming from like Tipman effect and everything. I'm like, I felt like I had to prove myself every time. And again, they told me they're like, like relax, man, like you're here just yeah. just play paintball but i was here for me was like sometimes overwhelming with how much i yeah. made it i made it a lot i put the pressure was on myself i put that's yeah. that's what it was it was so much pressure on myself because all these guys were so seasoned already that yeah. i felt that i needed to kill everybody right i needed to shoot all five guys or all seven guys to to prove myself like i had to prove myself yeah. every single point to be on the team because I felt like I was always on the chopping block even though <laughs> those guys would tell me 
like, dude, man, you're not going anywhere, man. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. But in my head, for some reason, I thought that that would make me play better. But it just it hindered me in ways. But it's it pushed me the same. So I don't think I'd be the the player I was without it. You know? Yeah, I I definitely think having that mentality helps. Like if you're kind of like cruising along, like oh yeah, I'm here no matter what. Then you start getting lazy during the week. You don't go run. You don't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of like keep that with you, like man, anyone can take my spot at any moment. But that keeps you well motivated. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to give this up for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also to revert back to what you were saying earlier about Rich. Um. So when I go out to the field, I never really thought about it until Yosh told me this. He's like, you're trying to dominate the other guy. And when I go play one-on-ones against guys at the field, it'll be like, it's usually me and my friend Sebastian. And he played on elevation. He played semi-pro for a while. He's pretty good. Not a pro-level player, but pretty good. I realized I go out there and I try to like, mentally like break him every time. Mm-hmm. Or if he tries to do the same thing to me, like you lose... If I lose one to him, I'm like, nope, that's it. That's the only one he's getting all day. <laughs> and I just try to break him every time. But yeah. I feel like you need that for paintball. Like you're trying to assert your dominance. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what Rich did to you. Asserted his dominance. Yeah, dude. He he asserted his will on me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what's what I wish... I don't want to say I wish because then it makes it sound like like I regretted some things, which I which I don't. But I I mean I wish it would have helped. I want to say if I could have mentally matured a little faster, because I don't think I really mentally matured until um until I got on aftershock. Because I think even I think even with Avalanche and Infamous, I was still in a state of like um. I was a little big headed um, okay. for for the situation. I still felt like I was, I still kind of was a little cocky. Um, but you're the best guy on Avalanche. No, I wouldn't say that. I, w- I would say that I was, I was amongst really good players and I was a big asset to the team, just as I would say any of those guys were a big asset. Um, because I don't think, I think an individual player helps win points, but it takes a team to win a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of one of those things, and I think that all those players were just uh, outstanding. Um, but I think because of what had happened in my mental state, and then that's why at the end of 2009, why I stopped playing, I think it's because I had that mentality, and I, I felt like I was I was just cheating whatever team I was playing on because I wasn't invested 100%. Okay, you weren't like, were you putting in like all the time? I wasn't putting in the time that I should have toward the end of 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Towards. Yeah. yeah, In yeah. 2008. And then into 2009, I would just, I felt like I wasn't able to, I was fortunate to have Travis Lemansky pick me up an infamous and really kind of see what was there. And I felt like I, I wasn't able to give him it all. And that's why I, I decided to just kind of hang it up, which I thought, at that time was going to be it because I just, there were other stuff thing, other things that I wanted to do too outside of paintball. Um, but also I didn't want to half ass it. Yeah. Playing paintball around then. 
that was oh nine, so I think that was I was like twenty six ish. Oh yeah, I can kind of see that. Like you're getting you're either like going one direction with like a family and kids or you're like mm-hmm. in the single life for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I don't know what I got to figure something else out because all I've been doing has been playing paintball since fucking 2002. When did you start working in um, the pump shops? 2010. Okay. So you didn't have a job. You're just strictly paintball until 2009. Yeah. So at that time I was, I was moving around too. And I had like just odd end jobs here and there. And then but eventually not a career. No, yeah, nothing, nothing with any kind of career or direction of really where I wanted to go. And I think that was another reason why I was kind of like, and I, for some reason I didn't really even pursue anything in the industry, which I look back on and I'm like, well, if I, you know, if I wasn't sure, like maybe go try and find and do be a sales rep or, or, or work somewhere in the industry, make an income that way. But then I think they would at least be, you know, at least a little bit lenient on leaving for tournaments and whatnot and repping whatever company I play for. Um, yeah. But I decided to just kind of cold turkey it. And, you know, obviously, the, but then that didn't work because then I played again in 2010 with X Factor in Chicago, had a great time, and then eventually worked my way back into the scene again because I was like, I, I think I can still play. And then, you know, then that turns into oh. another four or five year run or whatever it was. The itch never goes away. It never goes away, dude. I I want to play now. Like yeah. I, I just I got done playing the ICPL thing with uh, Brimstone, and that was that was great. I mean, I love Ten Man, but I love Seven Man and 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 X Ball more. Just the the pace and everything. And I'm possibly gonna go uh, do a practice with the Columbus level guys uh, before Are you thinking Cup. About playing again. I always think about that, so. but I don't. I just I wouldn't. I can't commit the uh, the time and everything i just i i can't give it the time at right now i can't but um but even i'm just getting stoked thinking about possibly going and just playing a couple days with them and and playing in the having that practice environment and playing x-ball is i'm like stoked about and i'm just gonna play with the fucking emec oh, playing with the emec yeah dude it's yeah. fucking sweet man <laughs> i don't like I- I don't shoot very much and I just, I shoot enough to be accurate. And I'm like, I'll fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll slide around. And <laughs> uh, I think you'll definitely be a boost, especially to how good they're doing right now. Even if you just go to the practices, having like that insight from someone who's been there and done that mm-hmm. at their practice will definitely help them do better. Yeah, dude. I'd... Yeah. They're, they're definitely, uh, they're coming together finally. And I think, I think it's only, it's inevitable, right? For a bunch of guys who have been playing this long together and the roster hasn't changed much. If anything, they've added on, uh, great members and coaches and everything. And, and Pando has their back. And I think that it's just, it's a matter of time before a team puts that much dedication in to, and, 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 time blood sweat and tears before the end result is they start winning games and then you know eventually it's going to be a tournament uh sooner or later but yeah yeah it's it's really cool to see them finally progressing to that level yeah it's pretty sweet at the last event i didn't think they were going to go for another they surprised the shit out of me right (laughs) right not and i don't want to say that they surprised me because i know that they 
I know that they're that good. Um, yeah. It's just, I think, I don't even think, honestly, I don't think they surprise themselves. I think they they just stepped up to how they know that they can play. And um, I think what was a little surprising, I, I don't know because I hate talk, you know, speaking for somebody else, right? I just, because I'm only seeing it from my perspective, but I can only assume with how Sunday ended up for them that they ran into a team X factor that has had, they've been, they've played on Sunday how many times, right? And they've been in that scenario how many times and they were able to be that Sunday team that level wasn't yet, you yeah. know, they, they haven't been that team yet on Sunday and, you know, but like, like I said, it's only a matter of time that they, they find their groove on Sunday and, um, they start working their way up the ranks that way too. Yeah. Be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. So who was kind of, who was your inspiration team wise and individually growing up, um, and watching? Was it, was it like mouse and those guys and, and was it dynasty maybe? Um, so when I first like started seeing everything on TV, yeah, it was like dynasty and excessive. Cause you guys were in all the magazines and then it wasn't naughty dogs for a little bit because yeah. in the smart parts, they won it. So I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Dogs, sick. <laughs> but, um, like at that time until like 2010, like pro players just seemed like unattainable to me. Like, Oh, I'm like never going to get the chance to talk to this guy or interact with this person because you go to the events and you guys, you know, you go to the event, you're there, you're focused on the event. Mm -hmm. If you're like some random kid, yeah, you might say like, hi, what's up? But not enough to have like a connection with someone. Yeah. So I started looking up to the guys on elevation because I would see them at the field and I would look up to A-Rod because he went pro out of Arizona. There were a couple of guys before him, but when they went pro, I thought anyone who had a jersey on was pro, so I couldn't tell the difference <laughs> at the time. Yeah. So I looked up to A-Rod for a while. Um, Augie Roscoe, he was like the main guy I looked up to. Mm -hmm. He wasn't pro. He played Division One for a while, but in Arizona, he was like the it guy. Him and Adam Vesey and A-Rod were like, if you're going to pick three guys to go pro, it's going to be one of those three guys. Yeah. Uh, and then later on once i started getting more into paintball and i was going to california a bit more yeah i started looking up to mouse because he was the closest guy to my area like he lives in socal socal is like a five-hour drive for me i see him like maybe six times a year at the field whenever i go out to california and i get to see him see what he's like like you're saying see how he interacts with his team like how you're supposed to talk to guys mm -hmm. how you're not supposed to talk to guys how you're supposed to carry yourself while you're playing throughout the practice. I try to mimic all that stuff. And then throughout the years, I kind of put my own little twist on it. But yeah, they were kind of inspirations growing up. Yeah. It, you know, you, putting it that way too is knowing how and how not to talk to guys on your team. And this is not just coming from, you know, from a management standpoint of like a coach or an elder player. But it's just being one of the guys, one of the soldiers on the team, um, and, and and being able to convey certain information with guys and, and have it be not like where you come off where you like you don't know what you're doing. It's uh yeah. you really is 
is a whole nother game on top of that, a whole nother mental game. Yeah. And um, like this last year on Dynasty, I learned a lot about like, it's not about like rah, rah, rah. Like Yosh, he's really good at instilling confidence in you. Like when you're not feeling confident, I don't know how, Yosh and Dalton, they just know how to boost you. So I started watching them like throughout the matches. I'm just kind of like looking, seeing how they interact with any everyone. And I'm trying to take that and use that too. If Like if they're boosting me like that, maybe I can help boost them like that. Mm-hmm. And Tyler, he was a big, big advocate about boosting people and like, you know, you don't have to be like, oh yeah, let's go team, let's go team. It's like the little pat on the back, the little, oh yeah, you did a good job here. Or, hey, you know, maybe try to do this next time because you missed this shot, but everything else is really good. Yeah. That kind of stuff really brings up the team morale. And I kind of use that when I coach, um, so I coach Phoenix Rising at the WCPPL events. Mm -hmm. So I try to use that, like I experiment with like things like, okay, like when I was on that or at the last event with Dynasty, this is the way SK interacted with me. Like he had total faith in me. Even if I played bad, he like spun me back. So I try it with those guys and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this works. Like, yeah. Okay. Like I'm learning little new tricks here and there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would, what's cool too, is you can take all that, those golden nuggets of information. And that's what I used to go and kind of draw up my, my clinics with. So like yeah. all the stuff that was told to me and taught to me, I just relay that and convey that into like a uh, into a uh, clinic. Yeah, yeah. Before I used to have like a really like aggressive approach, and now I'm learning like your calm, cool, and collected gets you way better results. Mm-hmm. So like when I go and I help the guys on rising, I'm like, yeah, like some guys they feed off of like the hype energy. So I try to like learn how to read people too. Yeah. But most of the time they feed off a of calm, cool and collected. And that's a big thing I learned from the guys on dynasty. Yeah. And you know, talking about that too, um, I don't think necessarily that Tyler's energy needed to be replaced. Like when, when I heard that he left, Obviously, it's a void, but I think it was a very short void. Not saying that he didn't have an impact on that team because he obviously did. But yeah. I, I think that everybody is so close wavelength-wise on mm-hmm. that team that even though he had a, a, a big wavelength, that with that missing, everybody still had a very similar wavelength of like, of vibing and communication and just being able to look at somebody and like, just give the head nod or whatever, or just a quick, like, you know, bump or whatever it is. And you, you feel that back and forth and, and they might not need the, like the, the yell in the face and the kind of the high energy stuff. They can, you can still exert that in a, a smaller package. Mm -hmm. He's, he is obviously an asset on any team, but it's oh, like yeah. you just have to kind of fill that with your own way, knowing that you're not going to have that energy. I think it's just I think it's filled up with everybody else's kind of kind of vibe. Well, I think like the biggest boost Tyler did was when he did leave the team. That was the biggest boost because you saw Blake Yarber is probably playing the best paintball he's ever played. Like yeah. this man is unstoppable when he goes up the middle, but he has like a renewed fire. Like he's like it's his Tyler visor. Has, 
Yeah, it's the visor. It's the visor. <laughs> He's like, Tyler left? Fuck that. Like, I'm going to go out and, like, put the team on my back now. Mm-hmm. You see that with, especially eggs. Like, uh, he mentioned in one of his podcasts, I think he mentioned it with you. Or no, not with you. In the last Go Sports one. He's like, yeah, like, Marcelo said we didn't have the right pieces to make it work. So he took that personal. And maybe that had to do with Tyler, Tyler leaving. I don't know. I'm there for the conversation, but him leaving kind of like made everyone be like, "Yeah, we're dynasty. Like, we need to prove we're here to win again. Like, we're not just some schmucks that are gonna roll over. Like, we're here to dominate." Yeah, and it's not like they haven't been through this before. Like Oliver left. Yeah. Right, and they've had other guys that left too. But like to have somebody with it, it was. I guess very similar situations of like you have Oliver of, of who's high energy and who has this kind of aura with him. Same thing with Tyler. That's some see it as a big position to fill, but I mean, dynasty could have said like, you know, after not having a good year or so, like, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. What? Let's just, let's wrap it up. They're like, no, yeah, we're, we're fucking, we're dynasty. It's not Tyler Harmon's dynasty. It's not Oliver Lang's dynasty. It's dynasty. Yeah. I mean, I would say probably the biggest missing thing we have is the guy who says D-Y-N-A-S-D. <laughs> We're missing that guy the most. <laughs> we get that like once or twice a match. But with Tyler, he was like so hyped on it. You'd say it at every point. Yeah. But Well, um, I'll. how about this? I'll come out and I'll be that guy. Uh, all right. I'll be the D-Y-N-A-S-T guy. And then. Right. <laughs> I got you. I got the Y every time. All right. Cool. <laughs> That's good. I just need my flights taken care of, and I'll be all set. I'll be. I don't. I won't even need paint or anything. I'll just show up and do that. That's all it. Right. <laughs> Randall, call the man. I don't know, man. That'll be tough. I'll be sitting there, watching, wanting to play. And then you're in. And then you're I'm in. in. I'll bring gear just in case. Yeah, just to, you know, just maybe. <laughs> just an insurance policy. <laughs> Dude, I I thought about that all the time, man. I was, I was a dynasty fan early on, very early cool. on, and um. It was like the same situation, right? I saw those guys as very close in age to me. I'm a little bit older, but I'm enough to be called the kids mm-hmm. of, you know, and everything. And um, just seeing their journey, I did the same thing, same mindset that you had, right? It's like, fuck, if they can do it, man, why can't I? And yeah. and I just I took it head on. I took it personally with myself, and yeah. I just wanted to prove to myself that uh, that I can do it. And it's not even to prove to myself because in my head, in my mind, I'm like, I know I can do it. It's just a yeah. matter of time and how you get there and the mm-hmm. process. And yeah. Going yeah, around I, all the obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. And But I think it's having that end goal in mind, right? It's not it's not having the question in your head. It's having the statement. If you have the yeah. question is like, man, can I, can I can I go pro? Can I play with these guys? It's it's no, it's I'm, I'm going pro. And I want to, I'm going to play, and I want to play against the very best in the world. And how I'm going to get there is the question, not the end result. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I think about it. I, dude, that's that's how I think anybody, anybody at the top level uh, had to at least, like I said, all journeys are all different, but the end result's all the same, right? We all yeah. ended up playing pro, and and I think it's just that mindset of like, of being obsessed and, and wanting to be the best, maybe not wanting to be the best, but wanting to have the best version, the best playing version of myself, uh, be shown and just constantly 
having it evolve. Yeah, um, the goal always changes. Yeah, you to one, you're immediately looking at the next one. Mm-hmm. Like, made it here. All right, what can I do again? Can I do that again? Yeah. Have you have you always played the snake side, or were you kind of back and forth? Um. So on elevation, uh, I started out playing the Dorito side with them, and then I went. And I started playing the snake side after I left, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then once we went pro. It was kind of, we had, so they had a group of guys, seven guys that played the whole semi-pro series the year before. So they had their Dorito and snake guy. They had Ryan Cordero as a snake guy, Corey Hall as a Dorito guy. And when we went pro, I was just kind of the extra guy. Like if we want to go real fast down this side, I'm going to go in, Corey will play behind me and we're going to try to go fast down the Doritos. Mm. We're trying to go fast down the snake. I'd go in quads behind me. And we're going fast down that side, or if they got tired. And then um, toward the end of the year, the snake started to be real dominant, where you need like two or three, and it was like a field within a field. Yeah. So I started playing just the snake side, and then on DMG I got picked up to play the snake side. But I don't know. I feel like I'm capable of playing both, but. In the pro division, you kind of just pick what you're really, really good at and try to stick with that. <laughs> yeah. What do you enjoy playing? I I love playing the snake, especially the way the snakes are now. Big bodied, like maybe like 2017, 16. Mm-hmm. It might have been harder for me because I'm six one, So I'm pretty tall yeah. and like trying to battle down the line out of like a little cake. Not really what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait <laughs> until you go in and then I'm going to try to move. Yep. Or until you get bored but yeah. these like you don't even need to engage with the guy and you can be at the 50 sometimes mm-hmm. you don't need to be laying down on your stomach all the time you can get up and you can kind of like shuffle across to their side yeah so i enjoy that yeah i like i like that uh a lot of the fields are now having a very playable middle i mean not that it's like a super easy to go to get up there but i think just an accessible middle is what I like because I think that that is what makes it have that kind of five man, seven man vibe is if you can kind of just work your way up. And I I like playing that middle because it's like, I think it's one of the tougher spots because you have to be constantly swiveling back and forth. You're trying to deal with two sides instead of the tape and this one side. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're you're listening like you might be posted on this way because it might be dominant snake side where you can catch that guy like that gap might be bigger, but you're constantly listening while you're focusing on this side and listening on this side. You're also in the back of your head. You're with this ear. You're listening to the Dorito side and the chaos that is happening on that side to see if you need to switch. And it's such like a it's such a a back and forth of like okay, well I think I should switch this way. Because I think, too, what tends to happen is a lot of guys go up there and then they look one way and that's it. Yeah. But I think a, a solid middle player f- feels it out, right? Mm-hmm. And they can kind of they can kind of play this game of, like, of knowing when to look this way, when to look that way, when to dive in here. Because it's like at World Cup, I think, the field where it was like it was like a 40 brick mm-hmm. that Ryan would dump right into, like, the 50 snake. The diamond yep. or whatever it was. Yep, the diamond. Mm-hmm. So it's like being able to do those positions, I think, I think was really fun, at least for me. Yeah, I feel like now on the layouts, like 
you can get the guy far up the center. There's a lot of spots for him to go through, and then you can get a guy right next to him. Once you get like those two guys, it makes it so much easier for the center guy, because now you're you guys are linked in. Like you're gonna look that way. Okay, I'll make sure no one bunkers you for a little bit, mm-hmm. and it kind of works vice versa. Okay, I'm gonna look down the tape real quick to move up. All right, I'll make sure no one bunkers you. Yep, and then and you can then, start feeling it out. Yeah, you watch him go, and you're like, all right, he should be bunkering someone in three, two. I'm running. <laughs> yep. Throw a couple loaders in there, blah, 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 and then yeah. uh, work your way down. Um, what what do you think can be improved on the field from your stance? Um, meaning, like, do you, what do you think, like, bunker-wise or or just something? Do, what, what do you think would you could be improved on the field? Hmm. Honestly, I'm a fan of sideline coaching. Mm-hmm. just because of the fact that it makes the audience more involved. So in 2008 and nine, they had a tournament in Arizona. It was 15 minutes from where I lived. And I'm this little kid just going to the, to the tournament. I'm just walking down the sidelines and I can get involved. Like I was there, like, I don't know any of the team's bunker codes, but I'm just like, yeah, he's in the can on the right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a part of the game, even though maybe they're not listening to what I'm saying, but I feel like I'm assisting in some way. Yeah. And I mean, I know it kind of sucks play like actually playing it, but I just think it brings in so much more outside involvement because it makes everything more exciting. You go to the tournament instead of just sitting there like it's a golf thing. You're like, oh, yeah, he's at the center 50 or he's here. He's there. <laughs> yeah. That. That would be like my perspective on it. That's a tough one, man, because I feel like I think there's definitely pros and cons because the yeah. the, the pros are 100 percent what you said. Right. Is that you you do have this kind of interaction between the the stands and the and the players in the field, um, which a lot of I know my mom when she went, she loved like yelling. And yeah. she felt so involved, right? And and yeah. her voice carried, which is crazy. Um, but she's a mom too, so I can understand <laughs> that. But uh, but then at the same time, like on the field, when you make a good move and you're going to run somebody down and they yell he's coming and then you trade out when it could have easily just been a, you know, throw the couple in the backside of this guy's head and then switch and then possibly getting a second guy. Instead, you're just trading out with this guy because – yeah, that's the downside. Maybe they could try that, but move the stands back further. So it's like they're the people yelling aren't as effective. Yeah. But yeah, definitely messes up the gameplay. But I feel like it's also like you get to the 50 and you bunker the guy. You get to the 50 and you bunker their snake three. Like it's so congested. They just want to see that action anyway. Mm-hmm. Like the guy's going to get bunkered. Yes, it takes away from him getting the next guy, but it just makes things more exciting in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just I don't know what I would vote on. Strictly from that a spectator standpoint. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, but do you do you change something do you change something uh drastically like that from that standpoint? Or do you try and change something drastically from the players? Are you looking at it from the player standpoint? I mean, I don't know. If they're trying to get more viewership, I feel like that would definitely 
like I wanted to spend the whole day there. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not playing, like, oh, I can go and like scream at these guys and maybe they'll listen and at one point it works and I just feel like, oh man, like I gave that guy the gift right there. Yeah. I don't know what everyone was. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is is you can't regulate it. Like you can't you can't have a set standard vocabulary that they can and can't say because they're going to yell whatever. It's not like yeah. you're going to turn around and say, Hey, you can't say that. Like you're going to have people yelling whatever they want. So, oh yeah. And the counter coaching, whatever, like, yeah. And that on top of it, that makes the tournaments live. Like <laughs> yeah. people want to fight people for whatever reason. It was definitely, yeah, man, there was, I remember there being in the divisionals when there was coaching and everything like that. That was, it was ruthless. Oh yeah, the counter coach. I, I played one of the WCPPLs. I remember I got like right to the perfect spot. I think it was like a two on one. I was about to snap this guy, and someone's like, "He's coming to bunker you." I came up over the top looking for no one and got blasted. <laughs> yeah. Like, which one of you motherfuckers said that? <laughs> yep. Yeah. That see that would piss me off because I'm like, dude, you're fucking. You're you're messing up. You're on the outside of the net, you know. Yeah. Then then messing up everything on the inside of the net. But like again, you said it was how interactive it is. I I agree with that. I just don't know if I I don't I don't I don't know if I'd be able to vote yes on that one. That'd be a tough. Yeah. One. From from a playing point, I'd rather have it no coaching. But entertainment wise, I like going there and interacting. Yeah. Would you get rid of the pins on the field? Get rid of the pins? Yeah. Never really thought about that. Is that what you would do? Oh, yeah. 100%. I would get rid of the fucking pins. I feel like they're completely unnecessary. You think it's because it adds all the bounce shots off those? Well, I, yeah. I mean, that's one. But I just think there's too many bunkers on the field as it is. I think there, I think there needs to be more lay down cans. I think they need to lay some cans down, make some fucking rollers, uh, Jason, if you're listening, um, <laughs> play some cans down and maybe get rid of two of the bricks, um, okay, two of the, the two of the big bricks, the either the big wedges or the big bricks, bricks, get rid of two of them and then get rid of the fucking pins. All right. I got a question for you on that. Yes. So back when you start, when you started playing pro with excessive, mm-hmm. the fields you had, there were go the, 10 bunkers on the field, I feel like. Yeah. You could go to the God, you could go to the snake corner, or the snake. Mm-hmm. You don't think the game's got too technical to where you need all these spots because it's too easy to shoot someone off the break now? Like the skill set got higher? No. Um, no, I think, I, I think the skill set has gotten higher, yes, as anything. Right. I feel like yeah. if you look at any sport, I feel like it's just evolution. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, but. Does it make it harder with less gaps making it to your bunker on a field with players who are a higher level? Does it make it? So like so so like, we're, we're so we're you know what I mean? So like we're talking about. How back then we had uh, less less lane blockers, pretty much. Right, but but if we're talking about ability, or you know, from player to player, 
there were still, you know, high level players playing back then, right? That yeah. that had their place. But if you look at it in perspective, we had there were less bunkers and the guns were faster. Right. Right. So but we were still able to play the game. Now, maybe saying that the players had less ability, you think that having less bunkers and having faster guns would make up for that. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm trying to correlate that to of today where you have very high level players but you have smaller gaps and more bunkers on the field. So does it make it harder to move now or do you think back then? I may, I think it makes it harder to shoot people off the break now. Yes. And I think it would, I mean, back then I was playing with a spider, so I don't know how hard it was <laughs> to shoot someone off the break. Yeah. <laughs> but looking at the videos, sometimes I'm watching them. I've been super into like watching 2005, 2006 videos mm -hmm. for the last month or two. I'm just like, how are they? I don't get how this guy made it there. How does everybody not get shot off the break? Yeah. I'm That's like, <laughs> you only have to shoot for two spots. Like, and you see him going the whole way. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, I think about that too. Like I watched some old 2005 stuff on the X ball field where there's yeah. literally like it's only five bunkers on one side and five on the other and like how but is like yeah but I how feel like the more bunkers kind of add like complexity to it because now okay you, you can go to this spot this spot or this spot okay now we have to shoot over this and if we can only shoot him if he goes out to the corner if he goes to the god or if he goes to the snake too mm -hmm. we're gonna miss so yeah, I just feel like that adds another layer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I just I feel like there's just because I don't think much has changed from 2018 when I was when I was last playing to now because I think it's still the same bunker set, right? But toward the end of 2018, I think that's more of the play style now. Like the last two events, yeah, the first three events were kind of like slower fields. Mm -hmm. Now they're trying to make the fields really fast all the time. Yeah, dude, World Cup in 18 was super fun i really enjoyed playing that um but yeah i just i just i think there's a little bit more congestion on the field than whether what needs to be and obviously this is just my opinion i just feel like a few a few bunkers can be taken out and you could still have the same gameplay but it would be harder to make the spots because the high the you new know, the high level play oh yeah 100 percent. it will be harder to run out to the spots if there's mm -hmm. less fun yeah and Are i you think I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, are you a fan of the field within a field? Like at World Cup, how it had that snake and it was pretty much like you're playing one on two or two on two in that little section. I mean, I kind of think that's how it is. Uh, if you break it, you can, I think you can always, every field, I think you can break it down to that. Um, I've always said that it, uh, for the most part, I think a game plays in groups of two um, with with one playing with maybe one extra guy here or there, maybe. But most of the time, I would say people are playing with four guys on the field. Like, at least I would look at it as, like, what's the, what is the percentage that a guy gets, that just one guy gets shot off the break? Pretty I would high. say 80. Yeah. 80%, 80 to 90% of the time, you're going to be playing with only four guys. Mm -hmm. And with that, I would say you're playing in groups of two, on on either side of the field because majority of the time if a guy who's running out normally has the biggest uh 
the, the the biggest chance of getting shot. And then normally that center guy, if he's still alive, will fill out to make that group of two to play yeah. on that side of the field, right? Even though even though there's two other guys on the field, um, I still think that you still have to play with that guy in front of you or behind you and and play uh, with two going down that side. Obviously, if you miss, yeah. if you lose another guy on the other side of the field, it changes the the yeah, the sure dynamic. Will. Yeah, um, but that's how I see it. I I always see it as the, most of the time it's an advantage if you have all five guys, but most of the time you're going to be playing groups of two because you're going to have four. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, that's just how my brain looks at it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, dude, it looks fun, man. I just, I it was super cool to be able to to talk to you in Chicago and see you guys win and just to be there again and, and feel that kind of that whole vibe. And I would have been ready to play there, man. I was like, I was like that whole, the energy and everything of the, of the game itself and of the players and of the people. Um, it just does something to you. And I think it just, it's, it's always a draw, um, for me. Oh yeah. I saw you there. The little guy, he was all tuckered out and you're like, (laughs) We gotta stay at least as long as we drove here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to make it worth. I mean, it would have been worthwhile if I only got to stay for an hour. But I was like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm squeezing this lemon for all the juice, all the juice. <laughs> well, hey man, thank you, thank you so much for for chatting with me. And it was so cool to hear kind of your journey and everything through the ranks. Finally, I was so curious at exactly how it happened and how it went down and. Um, it's great to see you on a team like Dynasty and them taking advantage of your ability and you taking advantage of the opportunity that you have. And I think kind of great things are uh, are in your future. And I wish you the best of luck, man. And I, I just think it's it's cool to see somebody in your position of blossoming on a team like Dynasty. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your show. I watch all or I listen to all the podcasts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, super dope that I'm on this one. Hell yeah! It's I, I'm privileged to be able to talk to guys like you, and uh, to be able to kind of relay your story to to people who might you know be curious about it. And uh, for other people who are curious, how can they get a hold of you or uh, follow you and keep track of you? Uh, you can add me on Instagram mju79. I'm pretty. If you message me, I accept the message. I always respond back. It might take an hour or two, but I always respond back to you. That's good to know. Reliability. Yeah. Trust. <laughs> A little slow sometimes, but I'll make it there. That's all right. Late, better late than never. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it, man. And uh, if I don't talk to you, good luck at Cup, brother. Okay. Have a good one. Later. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, It was amazing talking to you, brother, and I wish you the best of luck uh, with your career moving forward with the boys on uh, on Dynasty and the future. It's going to be great, dude. Um, Thank you also to all of our our sponsors. But before we do that, make sure you guys head to theplayingonpodcast.com. Give the website a good look through. We are going to have a... A, uh, a store here very soon I'm working on some things and uh, I'm, I'm gonna get that going so you guys can can start repping some merch for the podcast and uh, we'll get it up there soon 
but make sure you hit up Constant Pursuit if you are looking for a website to be built or managed. And uh, I know everybody is, man. That's what we're doing. That's what you're doing now. It's what you're doing now. It's everything's gonna be digital. Everything is digital. And uh, and Rusty from Constant Pursuit can help you out. So. And also, if you want to support the podcast even more, please head over to patreon.com slash theplayingoutpodcast. You can find that button at theplayingoutpodcast.com or go directly to patreon.com slash theplayingoutpodcast. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, another big shout out to our sponsors, melavio.com. All of your CBD needs in one place. And it is uh, just hands down some of the best product uh, of CBD that I've used. I haven't used uh, a ton. I really feel like I found something that works and if it's not broke, don't fix it. So they make great stuff. 15% off your entire order at checkout. Also Charm City Paintball headbands and head wraps that are through the roof. So make sure you check them out. Instagram and Facebook, Charm City Paintball. I guarantee you'll find something that you will enjoy and you'll want to tie around that big-ass noggin of yours. And uh, again, T1 Fatty Trigger for the mechanical explosion that is happening. If you're looking for something to upgrade your EMEC or your 170, you will find it at TeamSmokePaintball.com. Go to the store and give the uh, give the Fatty Trigger a go. I'm telling you, you'll like it. I know you will. Um, and thank you again, everybody, for listening so much. I'm so appreciative of everybody tuning in, giving myself a little clicky-click, and um, and lending me your ears for an hour or so and your time. Um, believe me, it does not go unnoticed or appreciated. So thank you, everybody. Please keep your eyes on the road. Do not text and drive. And uh, make sure you listen to podcasts like this one. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.